Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Hey, King's Church. It's so good to be here uh, today on the Gold Coast. And I'm just excited about what God's going to do today. You know, I've been good friends with Pastor Ben and Pastor Trish for probably close to 20 years And, uh, you know, I just want to say you guys are so blessed to have two of Australia's greatest leaders leading this church. And I just know that the stuff that's going to happen over the next 10, 20 years is literally going to be a phenomenon known all over Australia. And uh, so it's such a privilege to be here for my good friends. And, uh, you know, quite a few people that I know that also come to King's Church. And, uh, you know, to be here on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, What a great Sunday. And I just want to, right from the outset, you know, Pentecost Sunday was all about the Holy Spirit literally coming to earth in fullness. It was about people encountering the the Holy Spirit, having an encounter. And, And, you know, the thing that makes encounter powerful is not just when we feel His presence, but actually when we hear His voice within His presence. And I just want to encourage you in the last... Uh, five or so minutes of this message, I'm going to pray and I literally know that depression is going to lift off people's lives, that anxiety is going to go forever, that addictions are going to be broken. And I just want to encourage you uh, to lean in, not just to kind of hear a nice word, but today is going to be about a demonstration of power, that even through a screen in your lounge room or in your bedroom or in your car, wherever you might find yourself, that you are going to have your own Pentecost Sunday today, an experience where you feel His presence, but within that you hear His voice. You know, it was an encounter with His presence and His voice that changed my life. 20 years ago on the Gold Coast, I was, had been a drug addict for more than 10 years. I had drug-induced psychosis. I was hearing voices. I was suicidal. But one encounter with the Holy Spirit literally changed everything. And I just felt that as I was driving here today that God showed me that chains are going to break off people's lives, that bondages are going to be broken today. And this message is called, uh, Victory is in His Voice. You know, I remember it was about four years ago uh, in New Zealand, I was at a great church and, and I've kind of been known for the last little while, I've been preaching full time all around the world for about eight years and really been known for someone that helps people step into freedom. And I was preaching on a Sunday night in a great church in Auckland. And there was a young lady that had been in a psychiatric ward. She was about 22, 23 years old. She had just tried to kill herself for the 10th time over the last decade since she was about 13 years old. Some of her friends uh, knew that I was preaching and was going to pray for people. So they went and asked if they could let this young lady out of the psychiatric ward just for the night meeting so that she could come and be prayed for. I remember opening the altar. Maybe a couple hundred people came to the altar that were just believing for breakthrough, believing for a Pentecost moment, a a moment where they'd feel His presence and hear His voice. I didn't know this young lady, but as a couple hundred people came forward, I was standing on a high stage like this one, and she just stood out to me. And I remember seeing her, and as I began to pray, I reached over and I grabbed her hand. I knew nothing of her story. As soon as I grabbed her hand, she began to weep. Tears started to flow down her face. Uh, She had every kind of mental illness that you could possibly imagine. 
She hadn't slept for a really long time. She had insomnia. And I didn't know any of this, but I remember grabbing her hand and I started to prophesy. And I said, I don't know what's been going on in your life. But I said, but what God's about to do right now, you're going to have the best sleep that you've had in more than a decade. And right in that moment, that young lady was radically healed of suicidal tendencies, of depression, of many other mental illnesses. So much so that when she went back to the psychiatric ward, completely healed, completely set free, they actually tried to diagnose her with something else. Because they said to her, you can't be who you were yesterday and then be this normal person that's totally free today. But as time went on, she stayed in that freedom and eventually was discharged from the psychiatric ward. It was about six to 12 months later that she directed a video, a, a movie about suicide awareness. That movie has won awards all over the world. She has traveled the world bringing awareness to suicide. She's spoken to the UN in New York City. She's written a book. She's completely free and known for a person that stands up to bring awareness to suicide. See, I want to tell you that no matter what pit you find yourself in, no matter what struggle you might have, let me tell you that Jesus is always the answer. The Holy Spirit can bring someone out of the, the, the greatest pit, the greatest struggle with a moment of hearing His voice. You know, I want to encourage you also because sometimes we feel like, well, I've got to be at church to encounter the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can move through a screen. The Holy Spirit can visit you in your living room. He can visit you wherever you're watching this. You know, we actually uh, run a course, a 21-day uh, online course, and you can find that at our website. It's called afreedomexperience.com, afreedomexperience.com. And it's a 21-day journey where we simply help people. Uh, it's, it's a vehicle that leads people to encounter but it also helps people renew their mind. And, and when we get people, once they've done the 21 days, they, they, they do a two-minute video telling us what God did. And I tell you, we can't even count the people that have been set free of anxiety, depression, addictions, pornography. And see, that wasn't in a physical place. That was through a screen. We have people that told us that the Holy Spirit came into their bedroom where they wept for 40 minutes to an hour as God healed their hearts. And, you know, actually during COVID-19, we've given people our course for free or free access for 30 days. So if you want to check it out, afreedomexperience.com. If you sign up, you put in the coupon code BLESSED, it'll be, it waives the $47 fee and gives you access for 30 days so you can do the 21-day journey and find freedom uh, in a powerful way. But I want to speak about someone called Elijah today. And if you don't know the story in 1 Kings, it's kind of 1 Kings 17 to 19. Elijah was a normal man like you and I, but he stood in front of an evil king, an evil queen, and he prophesied that it wouldn't rain for, until he spoke the word. He does a whole heap of things and sees someone raised from the dead and, you know, he's fed from a brook and from heaven and all this kind of stuff. And eventually the pinnacle of his life, he ends up standing before 450 Baal prophets who were controlling the world of that day or controlling Israel. And, and he says to them, and the whole nation had turned away from God and was serving the Baal gods. And he said, well, let's see whose God is God. And, and he said, well, I'll put a sacrifice here and you put one here. And whoever's God answers by fire is the real God. And fire consumes Elijah's sacrifice. And then they pick up the swords and they kill the 450 Baal prophets. 
And in that day, the whole nation turns back to God. They, it was a national revival. They'd been in a drought for more than three years. You know, just as a side note, see the 450 bell prophets, they represent individual demons. See, when the people slayed the individual demons, the 450 bell prophets were killed and destroyed. But if you read the text, the thing that happens next, and I feel like this is a word for someone today, the thing that happens next is the atmosphere starts to change and it begins to rain on people that didn't even fight for the victory. And what that is is a picture of when you make a decision in your life to fight some demons, some individual demons. Maybe there have been some demons that have been in your family for generations. And maybe your mother struggled with anxiety. Maybe your aunties and your grandmother struggle with anxiety. And you've also struggled with anxiety. But when you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to be the chain breaker. I'm going to be the person that stands up to the spirit of fear and fights this demon. Let me tell you what happens. The atmosphere starts to change for your children and your children's children and it starts to rain on some people that didn't even fight the battle. See, let me tell you, there's two little boys. Well, they're not so little anymore. My boys, 13 and 14-year-old Josiah and Caleb. But if you trace my family history, it's addiction after addiction after addiction. But Jackie and my wife and I, we fought some personal demons. So the atmosphere would change over two boys and that it would rain upon two boys that didn't even fight for something that we fought on their behalf. And so this this national revival happens. But then I'll read the scripture in a moment. Jezebel speaks a word to this man of God. And he ends up in a spin. He ends up suicidal, depressed under a tree, saying, God, just kill me. I'm done. And eventually angels come to feed him and he makes his way up and he hides in a cave. See, the cave speaks of escapism. So often when pressure or struggle comes, we look for dark places to hide from our pain. And he hides in this cave and eventually God brings the fire, the wind and the earthquake. But it says God wasn't in that. Then the still small voice of God, which I want to talk about, that brings Elijah out of the cave of escapism. It's always the voice of God that will break the chain of your life. It's always the voice of God that will bring you out of that pit into the thing that God's called you to do. But in 1 Kings, verse 19, 1 to 3, after national revival comes, Elijah is the man of the hour, but then we find ourselves in verse 1. It says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then it says, then he was afraid. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. And he ends up after under a tree suicidal. And really what it was, was it was one message that changed everything. Have you ever had one message that kind of changed everything? Maybe through COVID-19, it was a phone call from your boss that said, hey, there's not going to be any work for you anymore. Maybe it's a sit down with your doctor, or maybe your wife or husband said the marriage is over. Maybe it was your child and a phone call from the police saying there's been an accident. 
And Elijah had one of these moments where one message changed everything. See, if you study the text, this is the first time that Elijah, and I want you to catch this because it's how we're going to end. But it's the first time that Elijah is, is seen listening to the wrong voice. See, everywhere else in the text, Elijah's listening to the right voice and he keeps ending up in the right place. But this is the first time that Elijah ends up in the wrong place. He is under a tree, suicidal. And the key here is if you listen to the wrong voice, you will eventually end up in the wrong place. And so he ends up under a tree. But what was it about Jezebel's voice? I mean, surely, uh, you know, I, I know a woman's voice can be powerful but not so much that could cause us to end up under a tree suicidal. But it wasn't just a normal voice. It was a voice that literally dripped with evil. It was a voice that was soaked in demonic power and evil. It was the oppression. It was the suicide that literally was on the voice that was sent as a message to Elijah. We're going to come back to that because it was a voice that changed everything. And then Elijah, he ends up in a cave. And like I said, the cave, it speaks of escapism. It, it, a cave to you, it might mean an alcohol addiction. It, it, it might mean a food addiction. It could be a cave of depression or anxiety or pornography or, or, or a whole host of different things. And of course, there are some caves in life that are more destructive than others. But let's get real for a moment. A cave is a cave. A cave is a place that I'm escaping from the stuff that's going on that I don't really want to face. And Elijah ends up in this cave. And in verse 9 of chapter 19, it says this, There he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, Elijah, why are you here? See, someone needs to hear this because a religious spirit won't let you hear what I'm about to say. But see, God cares more about why you're in the cave than the cave itself. See, so often we think the cave, the pornography problem or the, the anger issue or the depression or the whatever the struggle, the alcohol addiction, so often we think the cave is the real issue that God's concerned about. But what God's really concerned about is the why. What was it in you? What was underneath that caused you to go to the cave? See, religion wants us to just deal with the surface issue. But what God wants to do is deal with the underneath. What what was the why? What was going on in you that wasn't dealt with that caused you to go to the cave? Because if you deal with what's underneath, then the cave will take care of itself. And he says, why are you here? And it goes on to see, see if we're going to be victorious, we've got to deal with what's underneath. But it goes on to show us that Elijah, he missed this moment. And I want to show you in a moment. Elijah was an incredible man of God. Appears again in the New Testament. One of only two men that literally never died, him and Enoch, in national revival. So please hear me, Elijah was an incredible man of God. But I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there's a little moment at the end of this story where he misses it. Because when he finally comes out of the cave, and we'll get to that in a moment, where it's the still small voice of God that brings him out. And then God says to him, <coughs> excuse me, God says, go the way you came. And he said, go and anoint Hazel the king. Go and anoint Jehu, who will kill Jezebel, and anoint Elisha, who will take over from you. 
I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but Elijah literally goes from that place. He goes and speaks to Ahab, but then he goes straight to Elisha. He anoints Elisha. Eventually, a chariot of fire takes him to heaven. And it's amazing because clearly, and, and you could read it for yourself, but clearly the will of God for Elijah was to anoint Hazel, anoint Jehu, and anoint Elisha. But Elijah only anointed Elisha. And it was Elisha that then eventually anointed Hazel and Jehu. So in a sense, you could say that Elijah never fully completed the whole will of God. He fell a little bit short. And I believe it was because he failed to deal with the thing that took him to the cave. See, there's a moment and the question I just showed you where God says, why are you here? And just for time's sake, in my own words, Elijah says to God, well, he says, I'm the only one that's zealous for you. I'm the only one that's still serving you and they've killed everyone else and I'm the only one left. And then if you read the story, the fire comes, the earthquake and the wind. And then there's still small voice of God that brings him out of the cave. But then God asks him the same question. He says, Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah verbatim gives the exact same answer that he gave when God asked him the first time. See, here's the thing. If God asks you the same question twice, there can only be one reason for it. I mean, if we ask each other the same question twice, there might be a few reasons. Maybe one, I asked you, but I didn't hear your answer. So I'm going to ask the same question again. God doesn't have a problem with hearing. Two, and this one happens a lot in marriage, is I didn't understand you because we speak a different language. It's as if we're from other planets. So I'll ask you the exact same question again, trying to understand your answer. God doesn't have a problem with understanding. He knows your answer before you even answer. The only reason that God would ever ask you the same question twice is because you gave the wrong answer. And he's giving you an opportunity to answer in a different way, but Elijah missed it. See, I don't know 100% what it was for Elijah. I don't know what Elijah needed to fess up to. What Elijah, I know there's a moment where Elijah's under the tree and he's suicidal. And often when we're at our worst, the stuff that comes out is actually the stuff that's buried deep in our subconscious. It's the lies that we've believed for a very long time. And Elijah says, look, I failed like all of my ancestors, which really is a picture of rejection. And I don't know what it was for Elijah, but maybe Elijah needed to, to, to say, God, if I be honest, I've always believed that I'd fail and that I was rejected. And when Jezebel spoke those words, it resonated with a lie that I believed deep down. God, would you help me with this lie? Would you help me with this rejection? But I believe Elijah missed the moment of coming out of his cave and getting real with God. You know, I honestly believe that one of the biggest things that causes us to end up in caves is actually rejection, a spirit of rejection. You know, if you think about the statistics of, of people that end up in substance addiction, there is a massive statistic of many of those children are from single parent families. 
And again, that's no blight. If you're a single parent mom or dad, you're doing your best. And certainly there are many single uh, parent children that don't end up on drugs. But statistics show that there is a high rate of children with single parent uh, families that end up on drugs. And why is that? Because deep down, whenever that happens, there's always a bit of rejection that gets in our hearts, a bit of abandonment, a parent that left, a parent that wasn't there. And so often rejection and addiction are so greatly linked. You know, the whole thing of Pentecost Sunday is the absolute opposite of rejection. It was God saying that, yes, some of you are messed up. Yeah, we all have our issue. But despite all of that, the Holy Spirit wants to come and live with us and be with us. You know, I honestly believe that Satan's biggest uh, weapon against humanity is rejection. And if you think about it, you can only give what you've got. I mean, if I was here today and I had $50 to my name, I didn't have one more cent. I had no way to get any more money. It was all that I had. Uh, my son, whom I love dearly, he comes and he walks in and he says, Dad, I need $100 right now. And as much as I'd want to give it to him, if I only had 50, it's all I've got. And I can't get any, I can only give what I've got. But see, think about Satan. He was the angel in heaven that led worship. But what happened to Satan is because he got pride in his heart and he said that he would become like God. He was, what, what, what happened? He was rejected from heaven. He was cast down to earth. But then the amazing thing is then God picked up the dirt and he made a man. You know, in, in, in music, there are three different types of instrument. One are strings, then of course percussion and, and wind. And what God did when he made man, we have strings in our vocal cords. We have wind that comes from our breath. We have percussion. And what God was saying is, devil, you're being replaced. You may have been the worship leader of heaven, but literally from the dirt, I'm going to make mankind to become the worship leaders of earth to replace you. See, the devil was ultimately rejected. And now he spends his entire time giving what he's got, trying to make mankind feel rejected. You know, I remember a story as we get ready to close and we're going to pray. It is where a guy called Mike Connell, and you know, if I look back to last year, between April, we launched our course, the A Freedom Experience. And, and, and between April and September, it was probably the most fruitful season that I've ever experienced. We've never, in traveling eight or nine years all over the world, in that six-month period, we saw more freedom miracles than we had in the entire seven, eight years that we've been traveling all over the world. It was just an incredibly blessed season. And life was good. And it gets to September of last year, and this man who's 70 years old, his name is Mike Connell, same last name as mine. He's in New Zealand, and he's been known for 40 plus years of ministering deliverance and freedom to people all over the world. He was coming to the church that I go to called Awaken Church in San Diego. And, and he was coming and, and he would be there for three weeks. We have many campuses like this one. 
And, and so he was coming for three weeks and I felt God speak to me. See, the way I earn my income is to travel and preach and it's the main way we kind of earn our income. But he was coming for three weeks and I felt Holy Spirit say, you know what, don't travel anywhere. Don't worry about making money. Just stay at your church and get around this man called Mike Connell as much as you can. I asked my senior pastor, Pastor Jürgen Matisius, if I could be the one to drive Pastor Mike Connell to every meeting that he would attend and just get around him as much as possible. And he said yes. And, and I made sure I served this man. I'd take him coffee. We blessed them financially. We just got around them. And like I said, I come out of the best season that I'd ever experienced. Life was good. It was better than it had ever been. And the first day I get around this guy called Mike Connell, who's 70 years old, a man of God. All of a sudden I get around him and stuff starts to come up. Stuff that I thought I'd dealt with so long ago. Start to feel incredibly insecure, rejection. And every time I drive him, I'm with him almost every day for three weeks, it gets worse and worse and worse. I'm now talking to him about things where I feel like I'm a, I'm a high schooler dealing with insecurities. I'm like, what in the world is wrong with me? Last week I was on top of the world. And it just gets worse and worse. And eventually it gets to this pinnacle after about two weeks where he speaks at our staff retreat. There's about a hundred of us there. Power of God's moving. I know stuff's been coming up like I'd never felt before. And it was for the first time in my life that I could see that the stuff coming up was rejection. It was abandonment. And if I be honest with you, I've been a Christian 20 years. It was in that moment where I recognized that over the 20 year period, there were some caves that I visited where I thought the cave was the real problem. But this was the moment that I could see that the real problem was not as much the cave, but it was the rejection that was living in me that drove me to the cave that I'd never dealt with. And I remember this moment, this pinnacle where he's about to preach and this has been bubbling for two weeks. He says, if you need prayer, you need to come to the front. And I, I ran to the front and I'm telling you, I wept like I've never cried in my life for 40 minutes. This wasn't just crying, this was ugly crying. There was snot everywhere, there were tears. I, I, I still feel like there might be people on our staff that are still receiving counselling just because they saw me crying. That's how bad it was. And eventually as I'm a mess, a blubbering mess, Mike Connell comes and he just walks up and he says, spirit of rejection and abandonment come off him. And the power of God came on me. I fell to the floor and I wept for another 10 or 20 minutes. I got up and I knew something incredible had happened. But actually it was when Mike Connell left that things started to get worse. See, sometimes what true deliverance is, is true deliverance helps you see something that you are unable to see. And now because deliverance has come, you can't not see the thing in your life that you need to deal with. And I went on a journey of realizing I had to deal with rejection in my heart. It was about three weeks after Mike Connell left. And for four years, my family would move by faith to America, spent twenty to thirty thousand dollars on green uh, visas and a journey towards getting a green card four-year journey twenty to thirty thousand dollars we get to the day that we're about to lodge the green card 
everything is done. Everything's ready. This would mean we could be permanent and no longer have to go through all of these hoops. And the day before I'm about to lodge my green card, the lawyer finds something. We had spoken about it, but there's just a miscommunication and he saw something in my criminal history more than 25 years ago. Something so minor that I was caught with $50 worth of drugs 25 years ago. And when he saw it, he said, Lucas, this puts you in a category of what they call inadmissible. I said, what does that mean? He said, this means that you can never, ever get a green card. That actually sent me into a place, if I'd be honest with you, last year between kind of October and about January, into a place of depression. It was the hardest battle I've ever faced in my life. I, I saw a counsellor maybe three, four, five times to chat about what was going on in my mind and my heart. See, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It was like I had the wind kicked out of me because for four years, this is what we we're going for. But think about it. God had just revealed rejection and abandonment. And now the ultimate rejection that the whole nation that I feel called to, to be in it is basically saying, Lucas, we reject you. Lucas, we don't want you. And after there was a few other issues that happened with leaders and just little stuff, because now you start to interpret things the wrong way from your brokenness. And eventually after the toughest three months of my life, thinking of the day of Pentecost, the voice that comes to speak. I, was, I kept pressing, I kept reading the Word, I kept trying to break this rejection and, and eventually I'm going through this crazy stuff. Eventually I have this moment where, where the, the Holy Spirit turns up in my garage and I begin to weep again, but this time in a healing manner. And He spoke so clear, He said, Lucas, I had to allow you to feel or I had to allow it to seem like you've been abandoned and rejected so that you could deal with the abandonment and rejection that was living in your heart. And in that moment, I got incredibly free. You know, it was only two, three months later that COVID-19 happened. Within four days, we packed up our whole house because God said, just go home for a season. We packed up everything. We shut down. We've come to Australia. We're a bit in no man's land. We're in between visas. But can I tell you, it hasn't even been that hard because I know what God did in me in that season added something incredible to me. See, there's this great thing, and I steal this from my senior pastor, but there's this great reason why Elijah was one of only two men that never died. See, remember Jezebel, who her words were powerful. They dripped with demonic power, oppression, suicide. That was supercharged with demonic power. And she declared that, Elijah, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. We're about to pray for some people. I want you to get ready. Get ready to lift your palms to heaven. I'm telling you, the power of God's gonna come upon you. But she spoke these demonic words and she said, Elijah, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. But guess what? Elijah wasn't dead the next day. He wasn't dead in a month. He wasn't dead in a year. He wasn't dead in a decade. 
Elijah wasn't dead in a hundred years. Elijah is one of only two men that actually never, ever, ever, ever die. Because the thing that God loves to do is to disp- is to come against the words of the enemy. It's like God says, okay, Jezebel, you think you'll be dead tomorrow? Well, guess what, Jezebel? He'll never die because God's Word is more powerful. But as I close with this, and I want you to catch this because I'm going to pray for you right now. And like I said, I want you to get your palms and put them to heaven. And maybe you've got an addiction. You don't need to tell anyone in this moment. Maybe it's been depression. Maybe COVID-19 has kind of messed you up with anxiety or or depression because you feel isolated. Maybe when I speak of rejection and abandonment, something resonates within you. You say, Lucas, deep down, I've always felt, I'm telling you the power of God's about to come on you. But I'm going to pray. And when I pray in this moment, I'm going to do the heavy lifting on your behalf as a brother in Christ. I'm going to pray on your behalf. And all you need to do is receive as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the day the Holy Spirit come, but He didn't just come, but heaven was declared. The words of heaven were declared and that's what's going to happen. See, because remember, it was a voice that caused him to end up under the tree suicidal. But remember God speaking to me, and this is so powerful. It's not just for me, for the words I'm about to speak, but it's also for the words that you'll speak tomorrow. God spoke to me and He said, Jezebel was an ordinary woman. Yes, she was evil, but she was an ordinary woman born of an ordinary woman. She was a human being, but because she allowed her words to be bathed and anointed with demonic power, she were, her words were so, they, they dripped with evil that her words did have the power. While the man of God had his guard down, those words had the power to penetrate his heart and, and drive him to suicidal tendencies, to depression. And God spoke to me. And he said, Lucas, if an evil, normal woman can have words that can send someone into depression, that can cause someone to walk to suicide, if a woman can have her words bathed in evil, then guess what? An ordinary man or woman like you and I, that we can have our words bathed in the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would drip with grace and mercy and truth. And if her evil words can drive someone to depression, then my words can pull someone out of depression. My words can pull someone out of an addiction. My words can pull someone out of anxiety. (coughs) And right now, I want to pray for you. I want you to put your palms to heaven. And just for two, three minutes, I'm going to pray and then we're done. With your palms to heaven, even if the kids are running around the room, Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters right now. And God, it's not just my words that are powerful, it's their words too. And that'll start after this moment. But for right now, God, I wanna do the heavy lifting on their behalf. I thank You that my words, they, they're not just my words, but they drip with power, with anointing, with healing, with breakthrough, with favour. And I speak over every person that might be in a state of depression, And I command in the name of Jesus that that depression would lift off. God, I know there's people listening and they've had that little voice of suicide and I declare right now that that lie would be broken, that that spirit would be driven out.
God, I know that there's people listening and maybe they've struggled with pornography or alcohol or some other kind of substance. And right now in the name of Jesus, I command the bondage and the chains to break in the name of Jesus. I command that heaviness, that condemnation to lift off in the name of Jesus. God, I thank You as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, which was a day that the Holy Spirit came to a room. And, and it wasn't just a feeling. Yes, there was a feeling. Yes, there was a manifestation. Yes, we could taste and see that God was there. But with the manifestation, there was a declaration that came from heaven. And God used me as the mouthpiece today. As the Spirit comes in the lounge rooms and bedrooms and cars and even walking on a beach. Let the declaration of heaven at the same time as the presence comes, comes from my mouth and I declare over you that you are not just free, but you are free indeed. I declare that you will never be hindered by this thing again. I declare today on May 31st, 2020, that this is your moment of freedom. This is your moment of breakthrough. This is your moment where the testimony starts. God, for anyone that's struggling with rejection or abandonment, God, maybe they had a parent leave, a partner leave. I pray for healing to come right now, supernatural healing. It's like I can see someone in my spirit and you're weeping just like I did. But that's okay because that's the Father and He's healing you. And it's like there's a hole, there's a, there's a bit of brokenness and you've tried to keep doing the right thing and, you, and you've said over and over again, you're like, God, I promise I'll never do it again. But what you couldn't see is there was this, this thing of rejection that was underneath that was fueling it and God's healing right now. God's healing that place that's broken, healing that place that's hurt. Father, I thank You for this incredible church. I thank You that this church will be known all over the world. It'll become a trophy room of God's grace. It'll become a house of souls. God, an army of people that will rise up, that will move in power and victory. Just as we close right now, I wonder if you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus, what better day to do it than Pentecost Sunday? A moment like I did 20 plus years ago where I simply came to this place where I said, God, I'm sick of doing my own thing. And today I recognize in my heart that you're a God of love and today I wanna give my life to you. And if you're in this, if you're watching, no matter where you are in the world, and something on the inside, it's, it gels true to you, you know it's truth what I'm saying. And you wanna come to a place of surrender. Maybe you're doing this for the first time or maybe you're doing it as a recommitment, because you just know your heart has gotten away from God. And if that's you, if you're in one of those two groups, and, and I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer, where you'd surrender your life back to God, then we're gonna have a moment of worship and you can let God continue to minister to you. But if that's you, you're saying, Lucas, I need to get things right with God, just repeat after me. Say, Dear Father, thank You for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. Today, I invite you into my heart. I give you my life. 
Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Come on, we're just going to worship for a moment. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.